Hey everyone, let's ramble for a little bit. everyone and welcome to another episode of Theological Ramblings. Today in the Catechism we have reached the lesson on the fourth commandment. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. As always I'm your host Pastor Phil Janish and with me I have Pastor Tom Fricky the Magnificent. Hello, good morning. <laughs> and I have Pastor Ross Henzi the Melodious. Hi, everybody. How are you doing? All right. So in America, we kind of have an interesting relationship with the government. Uh, sometimes I think we kind of have an inherent distrust of the government, and maybe that's because of our history, and we think it's our right to criticize the government, rebel against the government. I mean, we all know that America was founded from rebelling against the British government, so we think we you know, have the right to protest and things like that. And our Constitution does give us some of those rights, but as Christians, we have to remember we're Christians first and citizens of this world second. And all of this plays into the fourth commandment, which we're talking about today. The fourth commandment states, Honor your father and mother that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on this earth. Now, some of you may be thinking, well, what does that have to do with the government? That's talking about the relationship between children and parents. Well, we will make sure to demonstrate how this commandment is connected to respect for the government. But let's first examine the fourth commandment as it stands. So, Ross, the words in this commandment state we are to honor our father and mother. Now, what all does honoring our father and mother entail? Well, in this commandment, I think we need to recognize that it's, it's, it entails a lot. It's more than just uh, our parents. It, it really entails that we are to love and honor and respect uh, those who are in the home, in the state, and, of course, in the church, those people who hold positions of authority over us. Now, as for mother and father, I think it means that we recognize our parents are the ones that brought us into this world. They cared for us, they love us, and they still do. And God has given them that responsibility. We honor God when we respect, honor, and love them in return. And what a blessing it is to be raised by parents who fulfill their God-given responsibilities and then do fill their home with love, love for God and love for family. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Ross. Now, kind of uh, spitballing off of that, Tom, why is respecting parents such a big deal that God had to devote an entire commandment to it? I mean, why does God feel it's necessary to give parents this authority? 
The very simple answer to that question is that children are born sinful. They're born into this world uh, as selfish human beings. I think of the, the movie Finding Nemo where the seagulls are going mine, mine, mine all the time. <laughs> and this is kind of our default as sinful human beings from the time we're little children on. Um, children are born selfish and inclined to do what their sinful nature wants. Uh, they're born to feel that the world kind of revolves around them, to make themselves their own little God in their own little world. And parents have the responsibility to teach children to fight that sinful nature to think about somebody other than themselves. And that's why we have parents to bring up children in the training and instruction of the Lord. All right. So now that you've uh, mentioned parents, let's let's turn to the parent side of things. What guidance does the Bible give to parents as they exercise their God-given authority over their children? What Ross will let you, will let uh, you take that question first. I think parents are to care for their children's physical needs, food, clothing, shelter, because they're unable to do so on their own. Uh, they are also to make sure that they guide and train them uh, to be good citizens, which is uh, also part of discipline. But most importantly, what parents are supposed to do is to make sure that they train their children to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. Tom, do you have anything you'd like to add? Well, yeah. When St. Paul says, uh, fathers, do not exasperate your children, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord, what he's saying there is really... Uh, be consistent. Don't be too harsh. Don't be too lax, too loose. They need some instruction. They need to know that there is something beyond which they cannot go. They need to understand that. They also need parents to be fair and to be loving as they administer discipline. And to be fair is not always to treat every child the same, to treat every child equal. Each child is a little different. It needs a, a little different kind of uh, instruction from their parents as well. Yeah, so it's definitely not a not an easy thing, you know. All the all the things you've mentioned, and both of you have mentioned this word once already, and that word is discipline. Um, Tom, you talked about the sinful nature and how you know it's the parents' jobs to discipline their children to kind of curb that. Ross, you mentioned that uh, that word as well. So let's talk about that a little bit because I think some people are troubled by what the Bible says about discipline. For example, the classic passage is Proverbs 13 verse 24, which says this, Whoever spares the rod hates their children, but the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. So does this passage mean that we all have to have a wooden rod in our homes that we use to strike our children when they misbehave? Or, or how do we interpret this passage? Tom, would you like to take that one? I think a general thing that can be said on the basis of this passage from Proverbs is that discipline is a necessity. Children, I once heard a mom put it this way and I really appreciated it, uh, children all need a good dose of vitamin N. And what she meant by that is they need to hear the word no, and they need to hear it from their parents uh, when the parents need to tell their children no. And what that does is it helps children to understand that they can't always get everything that they want. And as adults, 
if they don't hear that, uh, if they don't understand that, it's going to lead to some serious consequences for those kids as they become adults and uh, for the people that they uh, deal with in their everyday lives. So discipline is a necessity and think about other people. Um, yeah, the spare the rod, uh, I think that at times uh, what uh, uh, the Lord is telling us here is that spanking may be a necessity, but never in harshness, never in anger. And the, the real point here is that children need to be made accountable for their actions. They need to know that if you do the wrong thing, if you step over the line, there's going to be a consequence for that action. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, thanks, Tom. One thing I'll add is we have to remember that Proverbs is wisdom literature. The, the heart of the passage is that it is necessary to discipline your children. This passage is not commanding you to hit your kid with a rod, but it is saying that sometimes harsh discipline is necessary. Ross, do you have anything to add? I think uh, the other thing that we need to understand is that we as parents, maybe we don't always handle discipline in the proper way. You know, as sinful human beings, parents also can make mistakes. Parents can also you know, let their anger get the best of them. And yes, we want to discipline. As uh, Pastor Fricky mentioned, we don't want to abuse that. Uh, but as a parent, can I say that I've handled every discipline case uh, perfectly? Absolutely not. And so as parents, we also want to make sure that there may be times when we have to go back to our kids and, and apologize and ask for their forgiveness that maybe we didn't handle something exactly in the right way. Um, that also teaches our children something as well. Yeah, I think that would go a big way in following what Paul says, and Tom, you mentioned it, don't exasperate your children. The Bible also says, in your anger, do not sin. So yeah, sometimes we parents have to be careful, and sometimes we might need to apologize for our children to our children if we've mishandled discipline as well. Thanks for adding that. Um, so with all that in mind, however, Ross, for what reasons is discipline actually a blessing? Well, I think the purpose of discipline that parents use is we want to make sure that uh, we're teaching the children the difference between right and wrong so that they become good citizens, they become good neighbors. And we all need to learn that discipline is there because there are consequences when we do wrong, when we misbehave, when we sin, there are consequences for that kind of action. And we need to learn that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. This is kind of part of the law as a curb that we talked about earlier. Uh, you know, this is God keeping us on the right path through our parents. Yeah. Okay. So the fourth commandment has to do with authority and order. Now the family is the most basic societal unit. And as we've been talking about in the family unit, the authorities that God has established are the parents. Now Ross, you mentioned earlier that we also have authorities in the church and in the state in the larger societal unit. So we're going to refrain from talking about the church today. We're going to mainly focus on the government. So God also wants us to obey our governing authorities. Here's a passage 
from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. It says this, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. So, Ross, if we apply this passage to ourselves in our day and age, uh, who would we say God wants us to obey? God wants us to obey to respect and honor those who hold positions of authority over us because God has placed them into those positions. Whether that is the fire department or the police department or our governmental agencies, the president, our governor, our senators, things like that. It's their job to keep order so that the world doesn't fall into chaos. And if you don't have rules, regulations, we see that's what happens. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, this subject is, is pretty timely because right now there are a lot of people who are upset with the government. There are some people who are saying the government is trying to use this coronavirus pandemic as the opportunity to take away our freedom. There are others who are saying the government hasn't done enough to battle this pandemic. And even before this pandemic, you know, there was there was a lot of upset. You know, we had the impeachment of Donald Trump and there's accusations of corruption all over the place. So, Tom, what would you say to someone who claims that our government is corrupt and therefore should not be obeyed? I think probably I'd, I'd start by saying that no government, no administration is ever flawless. Of course that's going to be true. There are going to be different political uh, opinions on one side of the aisle and on the other side of the aisle, but government has been established by God, and for very good reason, because as Pastor Anzi was saying, we need government, we need authority, otherwise everything's going to degenerate into anarchy, having no kind of leadership whatsoever. So in Romans chapter 13, St. Paul says, be subject to the governing authorities, don't rebel against those who are authorities, obey the law. Uh, Paul even goes so far as to say that uh, the one who's in authority doesn't bear the sword for nothing. Uh, we'd probably say today that a police officer doesn't carry a gun for no reason at all. Uh, we need to have that kind of authority so that uh, people just don't go uh, kind of out on their own and establish their own laws or authority. There needs to be some kind of governing principle in our society. Kind of interesting, St. Paul is saying these things, uh, respect the government, and the authorities that exist have been established by God and a matter of six, seven, eight years, the same Roman government would be executing St. Paul for preaching the gospel. And yet the principle still stands. Government is good. It's established by God. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned the context in which Paul wrote that because, I mean, he was talking about the Roman government. I mean, there was all sorts of corruption in the Roman government, and yet... The Apostle Paul still says, you know, you are to obey the governing authorities. So, Ross and Tom, what should our response be if our government is doing what we truly believe is immoral? Um, because that can happen. Uh, something that we believe completely goes against one of God's laws. Uh, Ross, why don't you comment on that question first? 
I think I'll, I'll look at it in two different ways. Our government may allow something which we think is immoral. They may allow abortion, unscriptural divorce, living together without being married, alternative lifestyles. They may allow it. We do not practice it. Now, what if the government should demand that we do something that is contrary to God's word? Then we have to obey God rather than men. Now understand, when we do that, that means then we're going to have to deal with the consequences mm -hmm. because God has established that government, and if that's the case, so be it. So if the government outlaws Christianity or the gathering for worship or we're only allowed to have 1.2 children and anything after that you have to abort, then we would say we must obey God rather than men. And then if the government comes in and says, all right, we're going to punish you for that, so be it. Yeah, Tom, did you have anything to add? Well, yeah, if, if uh, there are things that are going wrong in our country that uh, are, are not of the type where the government is compelling us to do something against God's law, it, it just might be the time for us to get actively involved uh, within the law to try to change things, to let our voice as Christian citizens be heard. Uh, there is a need for people to be engaged in the government, and the basic and primary way in which we do that in our American society is to just go out and vote. And to be involved in local government is a very significant way of exercising our freedom as Christians uh, to be able to influence the government for good. Yeah, yeah, thank you guys. Thank you very much. Um, you both uh, hit the nail on the head, too, uh, too that we must obey God rather than men. The authorities God has established are for our good, and we are to obey them. But that's the one exception, and that's the one exception we always talk about. If the government commands some, us to do something sinful, we say, no, we got to obey God rather than men. Or commands us not to do something godly, we say, no, we have to obey God. And maybe a lot of people don't know about this, but this actually happened pretty recently in our synod um, when the Obama administration did its Affordable Care Act. Part of that act was that health insurance, man, uh, your health insurance had to cover certain kinds of abortive um, uh, care, uh, abortive medicines. And our synod said, no, we're not going to uh, pay for insurance plans that cover those kinds of things. Um, so these things do happen. All right. So we have been kind of imagining cases of bad government for the past few minutes, but we should recognize, as we've said, that government is actually a blessing from God. Uh, Tom, could you supply the audience with some examples of the blessings of good government? Well, uh, we have a government that establishes safety standards at workplaces. We have good roads, generally speaking, or we have roads at least, we could say. Law and order, general peace, the utilities that we take advantage of, parks and recreation. I mean, um, we enjoy the use of those kinds of things. The government gives us protective laws, so we have fair courts, educational assistance um, in all different kinds of ways. Also in our uh, Lutheran elementary schools, the kind of assistance that the government provides in the hot lunch program and other ways is really significant for us. 
And uh, again, I mentioned uh, earlier the benefit of local government. I think that uh, that is one tremendous blessing. It's generally very responsive to local people's needs. And uh, there's a reason why the Bible says pray for the king and others in authority. Um, it's, it's, uh, there are tre tremendous blessings, uh, but the responsibility that these people have that are in authority over us in the government, it is a pretty high responsibility. Yeah, Ross, would you like to add some things? Uh, one thing that just sticks out is in this country, we have the freedom to be able to gather together for worship and worship and praise our God the way we want to and the way we see fit. Not every, not every country can say that, but we can, and that is truly a blessing. Yeah, it's a blessing that we, we probably don't think about and thank God for enough, yeah. So yeah, both of you guys, I mean, Tom, you listed about 15 blessings. Government is a huge blessing, and one of the biggest blessings we're thankful for in our country is we have the freedom to worship Jesus the, the way we want. All right, thank you, Ross and Tom. That has been our discussion on God's fourth commandment. And again, the thing to remember is that God has given us authorities for our good. So I have a mission for you this week. Take a minute and I want you to just notice one thing in your life that has been supplied to you by good government. Maybe you will see some people doing road work and you can thank God for giving you good roads. Or maybe you can turn on your water and remember that God has given you water and that has been provided through the government. Whatever it is, sometime this week, just take a minute to thank God for the basic blessings of good government. Until next time, take care, everyone.